one of the things he always wants to say to parents when he delivers the baby, you know, and hands it is congratulations. Now you have to worry about this for the rest of your life. (laughs) Hey everybody, welcome to episode 255 of Coffee with Butterscotch, the game dev comedy podcast of Butterscotch shenanigans. I'm Seth and I'm the games programmer. I'm Adam and I'm a simulation living inside a simulation. I'm Sam and I'm a little warm right now. I'm going to be honest, it's a little hot in here. A little hot? Are you going to survive? Are going to survive the one hour of podcasting? Luckily, I'm wearing athletic clothing, which is what happens when you work from home for a long time. It's going to wick. It's going to yeah. wick the moisture. Wick it I right haven't off. even showered yet, and it's like 4, 3 p.m., 4 p.m. Say, it's been 30 days since been quite, Have you showered? I mean, today. Since today, today I showered. Oh, okay. yeah, now, gotcha. I got to be honest. Hmm. I got to be honest. The first time I heard the term moisture wicking technology – I imagined some scenario where, like, I'm sweating, and the sweat just kind of like, just like, fly, it, it just flies right off. I think it flies right off of my body. Quick sounds like an onomatopoeia, right? It sounds like the noise the moisture would make as it flies away from your body. Yeah, because that's not a verb that I've ever heard outside of the context of yeah. marketing athletic wear or candles. Uh, right. That's that's the more of the noun on the noun side of things, or, or John, <laughs> you know, John, John Wick, yeah. yeah he uh, makes so a I lot guess of wicking sounds. is wicking just absorbing something like a sponge and then drying off. Is that what wicking is? Yeah, I think it's either that or it's killing a man with a book. Uh, so you got to be careful of context. The, you know, those, yeah, <laughs> context is king. Or just throwing lots of knives. That's mm-hmm. the other yes. possibility. Uh, also, this is a show where we talk about life, business, and working in the games industry. Today is April nineteenth, twenty blundie. And before we get started, we have a warning. <laughs> There's going to be profanity and weird pronunciations of the word blend. Okay. Yeah. No, uh, that we also one got happened. We also got a, well, this is, is a retroactive warning about what's already happened. We'd also uh, <laughs> like to thank our supporters over at moneygrab.bscotch.net. We got a new donation mm-hmm. from Silent Reaver who says, I started listening in July 2019 and I finally caught up at episode 250. I run a three, now four person indie studio in the UK. Congratulations wow, cool. on the on the expansion. And listening to your journey has been inspirational. Excited to be an up-to-date member of the community. Go get some fancy coffee and see you in Discord. Ooh, so thank thank you. you. Thank you very much. And congratulations on growing that studio and just, uh, you know, hanging in there. I think uh, they might need to change their name to Audible Reaver, though, because we've heard from them now. We've heard mm-hmm. from them now. They, mm-hmm. They're not lurking anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'd also like to thank our recurring supporters. Thank you very much. Right, let's talk about... Uh, life. I, I, I enjoyed that. I like. Would like to thank you. Thank you. It's very simple. <laughs> yeah. Kinda, I would like to do to, that. To I announce what was going to happen because there, <laughs> there was there was so much coming that we needed some time to. to <laughs> especially you know in these these long stretches of being trapped in the house. Sometimes adding a little theatrical flair to the thing you're about to do before you do it, it's just what you need. You'd be like, I have it's a kind of, to do the dishes, <laughs> and then you just do them silently. It's kind of like starting a question by saying, question, and then then you ask Uh it. Mm -hmm. Because you need to, you know, you got to prepare the audience to be ready. Yeah, you don't want to surprise people, you know. You got to let them know it's coming. Yeah, they won't be surprised surprised when you yell question at them. (laughs) And then 
Well, right. But they will be if you say question and then you just leave because that would be surprising. More confusing, I guess. More more so. Now, Sam, Hmm. you've got some kind of I got a story. I, I got a sheet situation. Sam's got a sheet. Okay. So here's the deal. So okay. I typically slide my way into bed sideways. Okay. Before Slided sideways. So isn't that the normal <laughs> way? Wait. As opposed to from above. You know, from yeah. above. Like, <laughs> you guys don't have one of those, like a, you know, like a Mission Impossible apparatus to get you to, yeah, you, you know, from above. Yeah, you're, yeah and you go through the skylight and you, yeah, you, right, you got to right, climb so, up on your roof first and you take your sleep exactly. only down. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, right. like, so the way Sam does it is from the side. Yeah. So like really yeah. weirdly, I guess. I pull, yeah, yeah. I pull the sheets. It's very I pull the sheets back and then I get And then you there. get in there, yeah. Kind of like weird. But you have to do this thing where you go from like standing to seat. So it's like a going inside. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, so, it's really complicated. The problem yeah, is, there's a lot. Yeah. You know, on a bed such as mine, there are two entire sheet mechanisms on top of the bed. Okay. And not, I'm not talking about the two one. Two sheet. Like, me- my mechanism, do you just mean a sheet or I, is there? I just mean a sheet, but this is where <laughs> okay. it gets confusing. Okay. Because you got, you got your top, whatever that's called, right? The comforter thing, right? You got yeah, your cover, yeah. comforter. You got, you you got your thick sheet. Your thick sheet, right? And then underneath yeah. that, you usually have a skinny sheet. A napkin. Yeah, your right. thick sheet. Yeah. It's, okay. so, it's your big napkin. Now, here's the deal. So, the big napkin in my bed is yeah. the same material as, you know, the one that you lay on in the bed, right? So, like, the, yeah. whatever. Yeah, the, it's kind the, of, they kind of always come as a set, right? Right. And it's the same the material one, as the placemat. Right. Yeah, the, the one you're, well, the one you're laying on, you're talking about the, the, the glove like, one that just yeah. kind of wraps. Exactly. Wraps like the, the mattress, right? Yeah. It's yeah. the bed hugger. Yeah, so I got that. So you're laying on the bed hooker, yeah. and then you got this big napkin, and then on top of that <laughs> is you know, is your thick sheet. Your thick. That's sheet. your that's your goose bag because okay, it's yeah. full of down. full of goose full parts. of geese. Okay, so yeah, so usually I you know I slide in sideways, and like nine times out of ten, I'm able to appropriately you know be above the bed hooker, but below the big napkin, and also <laughs> below the goose bag. Okay, yeah, so. <laughs> Usually I'm able right, to just the, get a normal me. place in the bed, yeah. The normal place, okay, right? So now the issue is that uh, sometimes, you know, I got I to gotta move this. I got this dog, you know, I got yogurt in there. So I got yogurt in this mix, right? Which is just that's a bad place is for you. Is dogs. he on the very top of all of this? So he's that's in the dog the sheet? Sometimes Does the dog sheet go on top of the, the thick sheet or somewhere in between? The dog the sheet layers. is supposed to go on top of the thick sheet, but sometimes – the dog sheet you is mean the goose bag. in the goose bag or, you know, somewhere else. And so it, it, there's, yeah. there's this problem. And so uh, basically what happened was I slide into bed sideways, right? I wicked into bed, if you will. <laughs> and then yeah. <laughs> I put this pillow, I move this pillow below my knees. Cause, you know, I talk, talk about not having back pain, right? So pillows below the knees so I can support and my the pillow back. was the dog. No. So I got that once the dog was awake. Got that one. Take okay. care. So it was an actual below dog. the knees. So now I'm okay. laying there, you know, and my wife kicks her foot over and she's like, how come you're on top of the bed napkin? Right. The big, the big, the big napkin. napkin. And I'm yeah. like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm not on top of the big napkin, which the problem is that this has happened enough times that she didn't, <laughs> she just assumed that I would be on top of the big napkin at this point. Okay. Right. And then she's under the big napkin. And if you're on top of it, then. Exactly. How are you supposed to touch your freakishly cold leg to mine? Right. That's the right, she was right. trying to go for it. So, so I move my leg around thinking that she's correct. Right. I must be yeah. on top of this big napkin because that's usually what I do. And turns out 
No, she had, when she flung her leg over, shoved it into the pillowcase. <laughs> so oh. her foot was inside we're, we're, the pillow oh, wait, okay, yeah. that was below. Oh, so I was like, which pillowcase? But yeah, my yeah, knee. Yes. The knee pillow. The knee, the pillow. knee pillow. So her yeah. foot was between the knee pillow and the, you know, whatever the casing is around a pillow. Uh-huh. So she's now and wearing pillow pants. She's got pillow <laughs> pants on and thinks that I am below a big napkin. And I'm like, right. no. Absolutely not. How could you, Kyle, Kyle, you you're in a pillow. <laughs> you are in a pillow. Uh, so anyways, this happened, and Diane and I both just fucking lost it. It was like 1030. I think it was on Friday. Um, but yeah, she just shoved her leg in this pillowcase and then was like, why are you not under the sheets? And I was like, your leg is in a pillowcase. Stop it. <laughs> Get your shit together. Anyways, yeah, that was my story. Pretty it's simple. The simple things, you know. <laughs> Even better, had she just been wearing socks or something? That would be hilarious. (laughs) I feel like this is this is very telling of sort of every every time we go to prepare the podcast, you know, we talk about like oh, some stuff that's happened in our lives, you know, and like we haven't gone anywhere or done anything in a month. Yeah, we've just been in the house. So so now, the most interesting thing that's going to happen. Over the course of a week is somebody putting their leg in a pillow. <laughs> it's like, we got to get this. We got to get this onto the podcast. You got to tell your speaker truth. You know, you tell, tell the world. Story. Tell your story. I'm glad that I'm glad that you guys worked your way through that. Yeah, I thought it was important. You know, to you know, marriage has a lot of ups and downs. And uh, yeah. this is just one of those things that you just got to. Put, just yeah, makes you stronger, stronger, you know. Just yeah. makes just makes you stronger as a team. Uh, let's talk about the studio. Let's talk about what about it, level, Seth? Let's talk about Levelhead. Oh right, it's coming. coming out like right now. What a week! Ab, don't get too excited. But I mean, Rel- but yeah, relatively relative, speaking, yeah, relative yeah, to given the scale that time of the means universe, nothing. It's when just you're right in now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's 11 days from the, the podcast air date from this episode. So that's uh, that's it's pretty wild. It's startling. It's been yeah. two years and, and four months. I thought it was eight days. Isn't it on – aren't we launching on a Thursday? Oh, sorry, yeah. It's 11 days from now. Eight days. <laughs> yeah. Eight days from the podcast, yeah. Uh, it's very soon. The 30th so, of April. 30th of April. It's – it's still going quite smoothly. Um, we we've found a couple of of uh, speed bumps, as you do. My favorite one so far is that it turns out that we are essentially doubling our web traffic on accident in some fairly common scenarios, uh, which means all of Adam's simulations and careful planning of making sure the servers are going to be fine for like. 10,000 players or more. Uh, turns out he should have been preparing for 20,000 because. Unfortunately, <laughs> well, I was using our actual real player data as benchmarks. And so Since my simulation includes all of the. That's was, true, actually. Yeah. Yeah. But I, but I discovered this. I've, I've just been working basically like every evening because I'm trying to get all this stuff squared away so the servers stay alive. And so it was like, I don't know, a, 10 or something. And, and I was looking at some server logs and I was like, this is really weird. It just, it, Looks like it looks like every looks request like. is just happening twice, but like back to back by a couple of milliseconds, mm-hmm. as in they're like they're just being sent instantaneously at the same time. And uh, but I was like, I was sure that there must just that that couldn't be right because I, I couldn't think of a reason why that would happen. 
Mm-hmm. And so I, so I was like checking things out, like trying all this stuff. And I was like, I'm pretty sure this is doing it. And I, mm-hmm. I asked Seth if there was, if he could think of a reason for that. And then I don't know, it was like 20 minutes later, he was like, Oh, I found it. Yeah. <laughs> so, found it. <laughs> and it's been like that the whole time, like since, yeah. since we launched it early access. But, um, this is one of those things that genuinely doesn't matter at a very small scale and will matter a lot at a much yeah, larger literally scale. Literally double – because that was, the, that was the thing I spent basically an entire – almost an entire week trying to optimize was level searches because they're really costly because they have to – you can use all these different search terms. And so so being able to find one or a, some or a handful of levels among thousands. the future tens of thousands or – millions, you know, mm-hmm. um, is, it's really important that it goes fast and it requires a lot of sort of careful work to make sure that it does. So I'd be like spending all this time optimizing these things. Uh, and then it turns out that we were just also asking for twice as many. <laughs> we actually yep. needed. So we're not doing that anymore, but, um, but this is also part of that, uh, challenge of having so many different platforms is, is, and also, especially during the stuff that's all going on in the world right now is some platforms basically just let you make changes to the game and you've just done it now. Mm-hmm. So if you're yeah. on Steam, you're just like publish and the patch is out in seconds. Um, but then you've got uh, like the consoles in particular, they've got their certification process where, where people actually have a heavy touch and they, they test your game and make sure it's not crashing the device or um, – there was some some game. This actually did apparently get through through Xbox mm-hmm. Cert a while back that brought down all of Xbox Live because it was yep. spamming the Xbox server at sixty frames missed. per second with some kind yeah. of API request. Um, so so they want to make sure that uh, you know your game is working well in their ecosystem, which means that it it goes through a screening process. And as uh, as companies have shifted to working from home and basically having to update their entire development pipelines. Um, because of the the pandemic, then uh, things are just taking longer. So we now have a range of – on some platforms, we can get a patch out instantly. On other platforms, it might be three weeks. You know? yep. And yep. so – Very exciting so, times. I'm glad that all the problems we've come across so far have been able to be solved for the most part external to the build. That was currently yeah, because even with this one, we can solve it just by having more server resources, you right. know, which, which is not – necessarily a cheap thing to do. It's us just throwing money at the problem. It's just throwing money at the problem. Hope that works. Yeah, those are problems. If if you're doing okay financially as a company and you run into a problem that is literally, if you just throw some money at it, it goes away. (laughs) That is is the best kind of problem Mm -hmm. to run into because then you can fix it later once the yeah, you can bridge that, that bridge yep. that gap. Um, so that's that's kind of the only thing that we've run come across that we that I would consider to be like a semi large problem. But as Adam said, you know we can we can deal with it. And since we can patch it on most platforms pretty easily, then um, it minimizes the yeah. The it'll risk it'll to, only be a remaining problem on on I think probably one platform at this point. It sounds like, but uh, yeah, do anyway. So um, it and won't so be too as, bad. So as far as as other uh, sort of like lo- interesting launch considerations, uh, this is just kind of a, a fun lesson. Lesson, I don't know, just an interesting, it's just a thought, fun note, really. Which is when you're planning a, an event like this, like a, a big game launch. We we have an internal saying, which is there's no such thing as a good launch, and all that that really means is no matter how much planning you do, and no matter how many dominoes you set up. Uh, some aspect of it 
is not going to go as as planned, right? And even if you're just launching on one platform, like it's it doesn't it doesn't matter the sprawl of platform coverage you have. Just as yeah. soon as you're launching a game, this is what happens. Yeah, because launching your game on a platform, just any platform, um, requires hundreds and hundreds of checklist items of things that you need to do or that other people need to do or whatever. And they all have to happen about the same time, right? So of course, if you're doing that on six or seven platforms, now there's just six or seven times as many things that could go wrong. Um, mm-hmm. But one of the other things uh, that that can happen is is some external event that that you had absolutely no way of knowing was mm-hmm. coming. And so uh, one of the things for us is always looking at different time slots for launch and figure out like when would be the right time to launch the game because we, we want to launch in a void when there's nothing else happening, when there's not any huge games launching, where the press is is basically bored and receptive to the thing that <laughs> we're putting out so that they have something to write about, right? right. Now, the difficulty is that um, everybody – Tends to try to, for the most part, in the indie sphere, you try to keep your launch date within like eight-ish weeks max of the actual date that it comes out. Yeah, AAA often does it like six months in advance or more, even. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the but indie space, space like you got to try to get as close as you can get away with, which mostly means like you shouldn't get any closer than six weeks because then you're too close. But um, so you kind of yeah you kind of see eight to twelve weeks. But the problem is, of course, yeah. that means that everybody's going to announce around about basically everyone who is also participating in the same sort of sphere is going to be announcing that their game's coming out in the same time. So you can't really make a good decision because you don't, yeah, you've got, right? a, you've got and, a prisoner's yeah. dilemma here, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and your launch so, date is also typically locked in, you know, a few weeks before you make your announcement, which mm-hmm. means by the time you actually make your announcement, if somebody else has already announced something, now it's too late. Yeah. Or if somebody else is going to announce something, it's too late for them because they probably can't move that date. Yeah. And then you have, Things like what just happened this past week, which is uh, Streets of Rage 4, is the follow-up to, of course, Streets of Rage 3, (laughs) um, which I think was in the 90s. Uh, I think it's been like 20 to 25 years or something since the most recent Streets of Rage game came out. It was a very popular beat-em-up style game uh, from that sort of like arcade 90s era. Basically, you're just like walking to the side and punching lots of people. Mm (laughs) I guess kind of a kind of a precursor, like a spiritual precursor to the hack and slash genre, <laughs> sure. in, in a way. It's, it's not, like it's str- a walk and punch. Yeah, it's like a street fighter <laughs> meets hack and slash. It's stroll and uh, punch. Yeah, like that. Yeah, you just kind of casually stroll along and punch the crap out of things. And so, so because this is a a, a follow up to a long standing franchise, and because it's been so long since the most recent one, uh, it's a it's a bit of a big deal. There's been a lot of press about it and a lot of news and stuff. Um, and they just announced it like two days ago, and their launch date is April 30th. <laughs> yep. And this is the same thing as like when we were going to launch um, Level – we were originally like we should look at launching Level Head in June of 2019. And then uh, like two months before that, Nintendo announced Mario Maker launching at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it just kind of goes to show like – you, there, you just can't. You can't know. Uh, and you just do your at best. a certain point, yeah, at a certain point, you just do your best and and hope that that all of the things that you've set up are enough to still sort of like pry the attention away from 
the new thing that's going on. And, and but on the other hand, there are also things that – it's easy to focus on the stuff that gets in the way, right? But there are also things that end up in your favor because while this game is now coming out on the 30th, I'm pretty sure there's another big title that is no longer yeah, coming out on the, the 30th. Minecraft and, Dungeons. Not yeah. Coming out. yeah. And a bunch of yeah. titles that were coming out not on the same day but you know in very close proximity that have now been punted by weeks or even months. Um, right. So, so the, so the actual the launch window right. is clearer than it was. There yeah, is just this like, one new thing that kind of popped up out of nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. So essentially, I guess the lesson is random things happen. Yeah. And yeah. You just good gotta, and bad. You just got to be kind of chill about it. Yeah. You control yeah. the things that you control and try to set things up. You know, the, the real lesson is like try to set things up such that no matter what happens, even in a bad case scenario, you've set yourself up to be able to uh, account from that and recover from that. Um, so we're we're not really worried about anything. Um, but it's just kind of an interesting uh, note, you know. I guess and in related news, um, I looked at my Switch today in the featured section. Mm-hmm. And level head was three rows down or four rows down Ooh. in the featured section. Hey. Yeah. We have actual so, actual featuring support. We have from, actual featuring support. Uh, and that's and that's that's true of, of uh, the Switch and it's also uh, going to be true of many of our – of our launch platform. So we've we've lined things up uh, quite well. Uh, And before we go on, so we don't have any industry news because, you know, industry is pretty quiet right now, but, um, but I do want to talk before we go to questions, I want to talk about this speed run level head delivery championship that's been going on because it's cool as fuck. (laughs) Uh, uh, So who wants to, to explain what this is and what we're doing to, to support it. Yes. So the, the, the speedrun competition, it's at twitch.tv slash delivery championship, which I think is mm-hmm. fantastic as far as claiming a channel for it. Uh, yep. Basically what it is, is a few members of the community have uh, put together a system and then also are basically shout casting the match uh, to like basically you know, uh, call the match live where they are putting uh, two players against one another on the same series of levels. And then you, they, uh, the two players actually compete to see who can play through the whole playlist uh, faster. And so uh, the, it's a 10-string playlist, and so it's a pretty intense uh, situation. It's like, you know, usually like 25, 30 minutes of play. Uh, and it's it's very fun to watch, and the the announcers have been great as well. And so it's a really cool thing. It's something that we, we uh, just sort of did a shout-out through the Discord and then through our Twitter with uh, yesterday and, and today. Uh, but otherwise – really wanted to just see kind of what happened with it. And so Adam was watching, I think all of us popped in to watch, but uh, Adam got a little, got a little irritated. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was watching, I was watching the, the poor uh, people running this thing, which was, it was talk gibberish or I guess talk gibberish as they kept on saying. So I don't know. If, <laughs> gibberish. I don't know if that's the preferred pronunciation. Uh, so talk gibberish. And I think pure Pure nicks. Yeah, maybe. I, I know Edifeed is also putting it together too. So yeah, Edifeed was was in a bunch of the the runs, and so yeah, I'm not I'm not exactly sure who's organizing it, but but the the two guys who were actually like announcing it, and so I was watching. I think it was Talk Gibberish trying to assemble uh, the lists of levels for people to play, so that the two competitors could basically get the same the same set of levels, and then you know play them against each other. Uh, and the way that they they clearly did a whole bunch of work ahead of time to figure out how to do this because there's no way to do this in an easy way in the game. And by this, I mean have you and one other person on purpose play the same sequence of levels, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and so so they did some weird convoluted thing where they made a new player account and they had that player account add 
some set of stuff to some list so that then everybody could go look at that player's list and then turn that into a playlist and play from there. Hmm. Um, which mostly I mean, I works. That, yeah, that works. It mostly works, <laughs> uh, but very convoluted and very inconvenient. Um, and so I was watching them do this and, the, and, the, and it, it, it caused them to delay everything by like five or 10 minutes while they were trying to like wrangle these, you know, level lists and, and having a level playlist is one of the things that like we really wanted to do and yeah, didn't have time for it. And it also, even though we didn't have time for it, it couldn't have done it. It also just kind of had fallen down further on the sort of like things that seem important sort of list. But then as soon as I saw everybody struggling with this, I was like, not having this feature actually removes uh, this really interesting, it removes this one thing that's really important, which is a shared experience, right? <laughs> two people can, it's really hard for two people to have the exact same experience in the game because of there are no playlists. So, right. so I was watching that and I was like, oh, this sucks. Like this is revealing kind of a, a hole, you know? Um, but then I thought I can make a playlist on the in the browser, Adam's like, right? "Wait a sec, I because we I remember yeah. who I am, <laughs> right? Because <laughs> we didn't we didn't do it because we couldn't figure out how to deal with all the UI challenges in game, you know. Yeah. And uh, and then and there are all these questions like, oh, once we have a playlist, like, how do you find it? Do you search for playlists? You know, what happens? And I was like, I could do an MVP of this just, just on the browser, based. yeah, and that's it. Where then you can we can leverage the bookmarking system so that you, so that a person can now go make a playlist and just have a, a list of playlists that they've manually curated. Um, and if someone wants to play those levels, they can just go hit a button to add them to the top of their bookmark list. And so now when you go back to your game and check your bookmarks, there's that list of levels in the exact order that you intended and so on. Yeah. Um, so I just did that today because I was – so annoyed watching <laughs> so, because it's Sunday. So because it's Sunday, I mean, I've been working yeah. all week and and every evening, and yeah, and, and you needed a break. So I needed something to do that felt like it was doing something uh, actually cool that players knew they were benefiting, right? As opposed from, to just stopping things you know? from catching on fire. Yeah, yeah, because my yeah. job normally is is the type that uh, if you don't think I'm doing anything, then that's when I'm doing my job correctly, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so every once in a while, it's nice to be able to be like. Oh, here's the, here's an actual thing that you can go use. Um, so I guess I'm going to deploy that right after the podcast and and let the let people try it out. Um, it just it just as an MVP, so you can't even edit your list. It's it's just dead simple. Um, but it, it reminded me that there's a whole bunch of stuff that we can add sort of peripherally because of the fact that yeah. this is a web enabled game. We have this simple or this uh, common API that the game uses and the website uses. It's all the same thing. And so there's probably a whole bunch of little stuff like this that if we just Think about it in a, you know, weird enough and sort of MVP enough way, <laughs> as in minimum viable product, not most viable player. Right. Uh, so we think about it in the minimum way, then there's probably a way we can kind of get at that thing without having to update the game on seven platforms after, you know, a week of development <laughs> right. or whatever. Yeah. Well, and it, it's also something we were talking about is this question of, you know, what are we going to do post-launch? Like what's, what kinds of features are we going to add to the game, you know, in, in the future after we get it out? And it's this just kind of demonstrates why it's so hard to answer that question because yeah. you know Levelhead's been out in in early access um, for almost or I guess for a year now, mm-hmm. uh, and and we've talked about this idea of of having customizable playlists that people can do, but there there never seemed to be a compelling enough uh, drive for that feature to yeah. It's kind of hard to see the use case, right? Or you can see use cases, but. But it's hard to tell what the value of it is, right? Yeah. And, th- and then you see these events and you're like, oh my God, if we did this, it would enable this kind of thing. And then yep. 
some other stuff too, um, to be very easy and accessible uh, for everyone. And then all of a sudden the, the value becomes a lot higher. Yeah. And well, it's uh, one of those things was, too. It's because we didn't have that capability at all. It was therefore so convoluted and, and laborious and error prone to do something like it, where you could just have two people play the same sets of levels, um, that nobody would do it. Right. So you couldn't actually, except in this case where they just like, they made it work. Right. Uh, and so, so it's one of the, it's one of those kind of hidden, it's a hidden cost of a missing feature, right? Which we've we've dealt with, we've talked about the, in the past too, with all kinds of stuff. Yeah, you can't you can't um, improve what you can't see, right? Yeah, you can't so improve what you job. can't see, and the players also are give, mostly giving us feedback on stuff they already see, you know, and yeah. uh, and so even this is a feature. It's something that players have like kind of talked about here and there, but nobody's been super passionate about it, and even the players that put this competition together. Even despite struggling through and putting that all that making all that work, uh, they didn't actually like go into the chat and say, "Oh, it'd be really great if we had a playlist feature to get around this." Right? Which I appreciate, um, frankly, because we're we yeah, yeah, they were using the tools that, that yeah, were, it's just kind of, it just makes it interesting as a as a design hole. But but I think I think what's one of those fun things though is, is we got us our system is set up in such a way that we have multiple ways of solving design problems that we see in design holes, mm-hmm. um, and the idea that I could take, you know, four hours on a Sunday and put together a solution to this that is just already available and doesn't have to be, you know, go through the laborious pipeline of getting it into the game. I think this is also the nice thing. It's pretty cool. Yeah, we've talked about the role of deadlines before. Like, we don't, none of us really like deadlines particularly, but they do do something fascinating, which is they oftentimes will take uh, pieces of work that are too big and really just force you to do something different that gets at, you know, some portion of the value that you would have created otherwise. Because uh, yep. the project that we – when we had scoped out – because we have scoped out what it would look like to actually put these in the game. Uh, and it is a it is a undertaking and a half uh, because of just how involved it is on on the UI front. And – but to and then, then to say like, oh, well, I, I really think this is important to get in and we have, you know, 10 days. So obviously – and obviously it can't go in the game. So how could I do it? Yeah. And I guess the web's good enough, so let's just yeah. go there, right? It also speaks to the attitude of of just delivering a, delivering something, right? Like it doesn't yeah. have to be perfect. It doesn't have to solve all the problems. Um, but if it does start to address the problems that we see, then it's still worth worth doing. Right. Yeah, so, and then you can and you can test it out and see how people respond to it and, and what kind of use cases it gets, right? Because um, the only use case that I mean, we, we've talked about a few, but they're, they're mostly around exactly this kind of thing where, where people want to either, either people kind of behave as curators and they're just like finding really cool content and they're sharing them with people. Um, and, or people who are doing speedrunning competitions was kind of the two obvious cases we, that mm-hmm. we saw and people that are doing speedrunning competitions and stuff like they, they put in a lot of external work to make these things happen. And so, so providing even an MVP like this to kind of like give that a boost, even though it's still not, super user-friendly and it's not in the game and all that kind of stuff is going to allow us to see what that community will end up doing with something like this. Right. Um, so that can tell us what the next step is going to be. Uh, and if it's something that we need to make better or not, or if this or if we can get away with what it is. I do want to say it's funny though, because you know, there's a lot of this dream before you ever launch a game that like about the feeling of launching it, where when you sit down and watch people play, like what do you imagine that's going to feel like, right? Where it's like, well, yeah. it's just like a mystical thing. Yeah. And the reality is that especially if you designed the damn thing uh, or programmed it or did any art on it, then mainly you're going to be watching it and being like, all right, I have a list of 70 issues we need to <laughs> talk about now <laughs> on Monday, right? Because like it's hard to yep. 
yeah, it's it's very hard not to see all the places where you could remove some friction or or potentially get some ideas for for these various things. And yeah, it's hard to take your designer hat off. Honestly, yeah, yeah, it's very hard, difficult to do. I think, but, you know, that's your job, so mm-hmm. it's fine. Well, I think it's it's, it's one of those things you got to remind yourself to do around the launch window at least at least for a couple of days. It's like just put the hat down. Put, put the hat, the hat down. Put it down. Yeah. Just go. watch. Only be look out for actual disasters. Oh yeah, that's, yeah, that's yeah. Thing. And yeah. I've been I've been trying to get into that mode because um, because of the fact that we're basically on a, on a content freeze. Um, you know, one of the things that I tend to do is I just kind of like go off and I'm like, hey, I prototyped this new game feature. Check it out. And Sam and then Sam's like, fuck, and then he's got to go make some art for it. And then, <laughs> um, it's a very chaotic uh, thing, uh, mm-hmm. and I've been not doing that for the past uh, couple of weeks. Because the game is what it is, what it is for for launch right now, and uh, any any new stuff that I add to the game will force people's attention away from the stuff that they're trying to do to get the game ready for launch, and onto this new thing that I just like threw onto their their laps, right? So I haven't been doing that. Um, so I I personally feel like I'm in a much better spot in terms of being able to watch the videos of the gameplay and stuff, and just being like nice, nice. Like, yeah, just, right. I just get to appreciate it. We got a little distance right. from it, you know. Yeah, exactly, um, and that, that's honestly how I feel about watching Crashlands uh, videos as well. Because like I haven't I haven't touched that that uh, code for years now, mm-hmm. and so if I see somebody playing it, I I could just kind of like get a chuckle out of it and and enjoy it. Um, but man, when you're doing active development on a game and you see people play it, it's very hard. Very hard. <laughs> Uh, All right, let's get on to questions. These questions come from our listeners over at podcast.bscotch.net. First question comes from Butterscotch Atheist. In the DevOps GDC talk, you talk about all the systems you upgraded and optimized by identifying bottlenecks and streamlinable tasks. What was it like in the moment? I'm working on similar personal improvement and it's hard to pare down the work I do to the processes and systems that I use. What was it like so, in the moment? Is it in the in the, the recrafting of these things? Um, by identifying where those problems are, um, and then actually making those those changes. Mm-hmm. So I, I think this is this is something that uh, there wasn't like a moment, if if that makes sense. It was it was more of once we once we went through all the DevOps stuff. You know, we did do our our waste analysis where we. We just went through all the different types of waste and we just tried to list out everything that we could think of where we might be producing those kinds of waste. So um, when do you find yourself waiting for things? Uh, when do you find yourself having to return to unfinished projects? Um, when do you get hit by defects and bugs from mm-hmm. upstream from somebody else? And and then just talking through uh, the consequences of those things and the, and also the sources of those things. So we, we did at, at first to do, do sort of like one really big waste analysis. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, that was a lot. And <laughs> that, that thing itself was sort of the catalyst for all kinds of other, of other changes. Um, but what, one important note is in the, in the talk, you know, I said that the only way to do this is to stop production. Right, because you you can't continuously up, apply pressure on like put it, moving things through your your uh, development pipeline while also working on the pipeline itself, right? Mm-hmm. And so, so I think that's the big takeaway is like you got to stop doing stuff, and you have to actually go through and be very deliberate about um, just talking through all the processes that you use. Use flowcharts like Google Google Drive has a great. Uh, 
flowchart like diagram builder that's really easy to to use. I think it's just called draw.io. And just map out where things are happening. You can put time estimates on them and stuff like that. But and but once you get past that, um, then it just kind of changes into a, a cultural shift of just constantly being aware of what is happening to you as yes. you're doing different things in the in the development process, and being able to use those terms in that language of knowing when you're being, you know, hit by a defect or when you're pulling heroics and and why that happened and um and just being being ready to hit those moments where you have to where you like step back and you just go, "Okay, hold on. This is not working. We need to stop. Fix this stuff and then move on." Yeah. Um yeah, do you guys have any further thoughts? Well, I, mean, I think for me personally, I, I always find it very exciting. I love working on uh production stuff and on design stuff because to me they they kind of feel the same. Uh, and so a lot of it is, is, uh, it's enjoyable because I feel like you, you at least get a sense during the process. And of course it's usually at least mildly untrue, if not completely untrue that you have a better mental model of how the fuck things are working. Right. So you're like, Oh, we just need to do this here and that'll stop these things from happening. And then you get like, for me, that's, that's very exciting. Right. So that, that talk through that discovery. Uh, and then that, that for me always provides all the sort of, uh, all the vigor needed, I feel like, to really tackle and update whatever the processes are without, you know, being too moody about it. Uh, I think the thing that's always funny is the fact that usually, as soon as you, we talked about it before, but like as soon as you move the problem, it's just like uh, players. So if we if we update, so Adam, for example, added this playlist tool, uh, MVP version of it, right? Uh, anytime we do anything like this, then we actually just move the source of, of any uh, feedback, potential feedback downstream, right? So it's no longer going to be the fact that you can't make these playlists at all. It'll be now actually probably, it'll probably cause higher pressure on the dev team in the future to get these playlists. To improve built. this tool. Yeah, and to improve it and <laughs> yeah. then potentially even put them in the game, right? Because uh, it provides an attention point for these things. And so that's one of the things I find most fascinating about the process is sometimes you know, you'll you'll start, say, three, four months ago because you're like, oh, I just needed to fix this little thing. And then if you actually trace back what happened because of it, uh, sometimes it can be like absolutely bonkers stuff in terms of like the scale that it sort of blew up into. It's the whole like trading up a, a paperclip for a house sort of a situation where it's like you just that keep really on, is what it's like. Yeah. You just keep on trading yeah. up these problems and then you're suddenly like, oh, God, I have a house. I got to pay for this. I got to pay for this mortgage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So All I had to do before was stick some documents together. Mm-hmm. Now I have a mortgage. Um, yeah, yeah. So it's part of it is cultural. Uh, part of it is just is that willingness to stop. Um, yeah, and it's and it's the recognition that uh, that you're always you're always going to have problems, and you want to try to make sure that you have the right problems. So like it's it's the fact that that Adam is able to you know develop this uh, this new system and de- and test it and deploy it very quickly is all great because it's a testament of of the work that he has done on the website to make it easy to do that kind of thing right and low risk and low risk um and and it's great that we get to like take a, a small annoyance for a small number of players de- and develop a new feature that will turn into a medium annoyance for a for huge, huge number, number of players um <laughs> 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 Because that's the kind of problem we want to have is mm-hmm. is to be able to deliver experiences to people and experiences create feedback. Yep. So I mean that that's totally fine. Um all right. Uh next question comes from I C Bush, who says, 
What services do you use to host all your stuff? Uh, shared levels, games, Bscotch ID. How do you divide your time between developing and supporting development? So, Adam, you probably want to uh, hit this. For that latter part of the question, um, I don't, I guess, uh, in, in that – Don't divide your time between – Yeah, development and supporting development to me are the same thing, which kind of goes – Goes to the prior question that we that we talked through. Um, so unless that meant something different than I think it does, which is also possible. Um, but yeah, my my time goes if I if I see a, a hole that's going to lead to problems in the future, then I just go fix that thing. You know, um, it's if you see something, do something. If you see something, do something. Say. Yep. <laughs> as the yeah, as the saying goes. Uh, uh, and then and then what? So what kinds of uh, services? are we using for some of these things and how, how do you, how have they been? So yeah, without getting into the weeds, um, we're generally on Amazon web services. So you mm-hmm. your big competitors. You got your AWS, Amazon web Services. You got your Microsoft Azure. You've got your mm-hmm. Google, Pla- Google Cla- cloud. I think actually that one's, I think it's just called the Goog. The Goog, mm-hmm. the Goog, which so I think it's just Google. <laughs> I think it's just Google Cloud, which is a little more straightforward than the other two. But um, so you got your big three, and then every other thing in the universe is hosted on one of those. And in yep. fact, most of them give you options. So it's like, which one of these do you want to be hosted on? So, uh, so maybe actually, what, the better move here is for me to describe my policy, which is there are some things that I want full control over, which is my code for the server that does all of our business logic. Business logic, not meaning like company, but meaning the things that meaning make stuff happen the server that we need to have happen. And it negotiates deals for it. <laughs> right, right. Taxes. If, if only. Like, oh, I wish. But oh. the, the idea being that, that we have very weird, uh, very specific needs for the logic that's happening server side for like managing players, managing data, all that kind of stuff. So, so, I, so I want full control over that code. For everything else, I don't want to have to think about it if at all possible. Yep. So... So to that end, I basically find services that typically sit on top of cloud providers, um, but that abstract things even further away and that there are people involved who I can just, you know, send a, a support request to and say, hey, I don't know how to do this. Please walk me through it. Or how much do I have to pay you to, to walk me through this or right. whatever, right? Um, so that when it comes to like database hosting, um, I use uh, Mongo Atlas, which is sort of the the – the the main place I guess that um, that hosts MongoDB databases, and I just have people over there, and I just anytime I have a problem, I just talk to them directly, and you know we go from yeah. there. So I think that to me that approach is the, is the good one to. So when we were first starting, which is now getting to Bscotch ID, um, I tried to do literally everything, and a lot of it was because we didn't have any money. We were we were. Time rich and money poor, right? We, so, we use a service called like Nearly Free Speech or something like yeah, that. Yeah, and we still do. So, so Bscotch ID, yeah. I have, I have almost not touched in in years. Uh, every once in a while, something weird happens, and I have to go fix a little thing. But, um, it is very scary code. Um, don't want to deal with it, but it, it just lives there, right? So it's it's like it's shared hosting and the and the whole thing. Um, and uh, and that was because my I just didn't know, I didn't know what I didn't know. Uh, I thought I needed to control everything and, and I didn't, I didn't really understand what I was exchanging when I said I'd rather spend my time than money. Yeah. Right. Um, so today I do exactly the opposite. And if I could, 
if I could pay a fairly reasonable at the, price. At the for time, it. we didn't we didn't have the option because we didn't. We have did the it, money but we still had some spend. money. Right? Yeah, there's, yeah. there's we had a couple hundred dollars. <laughs> yeah, there were still some trade offs that we <laughs> that we could have made. Um, definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah, we didn't have to be so aggressive about it. Yeah. Yeah, and so, so yeah, so I think that's, that's kind of like general strategy, and then and then I otherwise I go to providers who are really well established and in general, ideally, are are cores. So like in the case of like Mongo Atlas, so MongoDB, the database stuff that we use, is an open source project, but it's managed by a company, like primarily, which is the same company that is our our host for our databases. So I like to I like to use entities that have that really tight relationship with the product because then I can believe that they know what they're talking about, you know, uh, and because that typically gives you sort of more cutting edge access to the most recent versions and to the best customer support and all that kind of stuff. So, so that's basically been my policy. And I think that the details, like one. yeah, the details are are you know maybe not they're just not that interesting to most people, unfortunately. I mean, they're interesting to me, and I guess I guess the question <laughs> asker, you know, but so I can't, but I. Feel like I probably should not just go dive well, but into it's, it. I yeah. think it does make for great radio. Yeah, yeah, on a broader level, it speaks to the general point, which is that if you, there's something I think a lot of people get confused when they first start, and you see this a lot with game programmers who end up making engines uh, instead yeah. of games. Uh, which is, you, you really have to ask yourself the question: What is the unique thing that you are doing that no one else uh, needs to be doing in this particular context, or, or or can do in this particular context? And so, usually, that ends up being actually the very specific stuff. Right. No one's going to make exactly the game you're trying to make. So that needs mm-hmm. to be what your energy goes into, not, you know, making a physics system from scratch, unless that is required. But usually that is not required. Really, uh, it is not. And the same thing with web systems and everything else. Yeah, as much as possible, because otherwise you end up spending just so much time just not building the unique thing, which is really. Yeah. Boring. Yeah. And, and and there's off the shelf products today for, you know, for web stuff for just everything. Yeah. Um, so if you if you're like, oh, I need to have my users log in, I need to send them emails. There's services for that. Um, they're not cheap generally, but uh, but when you're when you're when you're just starting out, it doesn't matter because the the not cheapness is this is a scale problem, right? Which is a good problem to have because if you have scale, then it's it's okay if things are less cheap typically, mm-hmm. right? Because um, you also have income. Yeah, because you have income. You have people paying you to do those things right. as long as you protect your stuff. And so I will say that the, the one thing that I do. I'm always very worried about with all of our stuff is keeping pirates out of our web systems because yeah. web systems are cheap on a per user basis unless 99% of your users are not paying for them, for your web resources. Because now you're devoting 100 times the resources to your yep. player base as you have actually people paying to yep. use those services. And it does and it scales and it scales linearly. So if we have to have 100 times as many resources, it just does cost us 100 times as much, right? Uh, which which uh, begins to add up very fast. Yeah, we don't like that. Nope. So so don't. All right. Next question comes from Under Scrum Rompy Yearbly, who says, "That's a have, hard one." <laughs> have any of you created a burner account for the podcast questions so you could ask a question that you really wanted to answer and talk about? Ooh. Come on, uh, give us the juicy, the, truthful <laughs> details. I mean, the the very truthful answer to this is no, because we just talk about whatever we want to anyway. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's what I thought. The hilarious uh, framing of this is like there's only certain things we get to talk mm-hmm. about. Got to sneak yeah. it in, and uh, you know, as our as Sam's story about uh, Diana sticking <laughs> her leg in a pillow, like we got to stay on topic. <laughs> you know, during during the pre question phase. Uh-huh. Yeah. We we got to keep this thing on the rails. Yep. So of course we have to make fake 
accounts so that we can talk about the stuff we really care That's about. That's true. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the and the the real tricky, like weird part about this is this is the first time we've ever done that. That's true. Yeah, they called us out just immediately. You know. No, I mean this question is one of my burner accounts uh, that I made. Mm. So yeah. So that's is uh, that real? No, that's sure. not. True. <laughs> <laughs> that would explain the uh, the very hard to pronounce um, rumpus name. But I think one of my it. favorite things that we've done, speaking of dumb names, was that time we all played World of Warcraft for a weekend, the three of us, and mm-hmm. all had almost the same name. Where it was like, oh yeah, I think Seth was Wobblebdo, I was Wob. Bob Dob dude, Adam was like Wobba Dibble or something like that. I was Wadoopa Doop. And so we yeah. were just walking around, and for some reason, it just I just found it tickled. You know? <laughs> I was like, this is great. It got tickled. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's causing uh, confusion. Next question comes from Chalosis. Sure, we've all heard of passive aggressive post it notes, but what about passive aggressive Trello cards? Mmm. I don't, I don't think we have a lot of passive aggression going on in the studio, to be honest. But what about them, Sam? Yeah, I didn't ask Just if we what have about them. them? <laughs> I think – Are they good bad. or they bad? I'm going to go How do you bad. use them? Yeah, I think they're bad. I would say – I mean, just like just like a passive – usually I think – I feel like a passive aggressive post-it note is because you don't know who the fuck did it. That's usually what it is. And so you don't know <laughs> – you can't inquire. You can't be like, where's my lunch? Why ha- why have you been particularly eating it? Like if you were starving today, that's fine. Like we could talk about this, but like you know, there's there's no you have no ability to gather information. Yeah. So you have well, to put out this, well, like, I, it also depends on how, guilt, you know? how your Trello system works, right? Because ours is a is a flow from left to right task management system, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's hard to think of a of a passive aggressive task in the sense that it would have to just be aggressive because it's a thing you're supposed to do. That's true. It's literally it's actually a piece it, of work. That's yeah, true. it cannot be passive. Right. So right. somebody's been eating your somebody's been eating your yogurt. So they put it in a Trello card in the fridge, stopping my and, yogurt. Sam. And you, you yeah, in the inbox, <laughs> you make a task called "Don't eat my yogurt," and then you assign it to Sam, and then he moves it to the doing pile. <laughs> and now this, oh, this week, I am not eating Adam's yogurt for this week. <laughs> The problem is then you're going to archive that card and the next week you're going to start eating my dang, my dang food again. This is where automation comes in. Now we have to automate the yeah, reminder. That's why Trello has Butler. Mm-hmm. And so you can just every week it'll make a new card, assign it to Sam, and tell him to not eat the yogurt mm-hmm. still mm-hmm. again this week too. Continue have, not doing it. Have you had any passive aggressive comments in the Trello cards? Because we do have a lot of discussions in the Trello cards sometimes where it's like – I oh, mean a, a passive aggressive comment is is, as I understand, is usually when – Somebody uh, is upset about something mm, but not and wants to it. not have a conversation or conflict about it. And so instead they'll make like a, a overarching statement that just kind of hits everyone softly equally. You know? So it's like, it's <laughs> no, like when still, you- it can still be targeted passive aggression, you know? Mm-hmm. I guess, I guess I just don't use it enough or have it used on me enough. Yeah, it'd be like, it'd be like, oh yeah, well, you know, some people in this company think that this is supposed to be like this, but that's not how it is. Right. Mm. Um, and like, you know, that the person who you just said that to is the only person <laughs> uh, who di- who does that thing or whatever. Um, yeah, I think we're pretty I, direct, I, I, but I think it's also about, because we have a, we have a very, uh, I think we have a very psychologically safe uh, feeling team. And so there's not really a lot of need to 
to like be weird about it. You know what I mean? You can just be like, hey, yeah. Adam, why yeah. did you eat my yogurt? Instead of being and like, Adam, Adam would be like, it's delicious. And you'd be like, I mean, that's And so plus, yogurt is our, really <laughs> our one point of contention. And I have to maintain some level of contention in the that's company. True. Yeah. That's true. Where are we going to drive that passion from, if not from conflict? It's got to yeah. come from anger. Mm-hmm. Adam's the CTO, the chief th- thievery the chief of yogurt theft. officer. Mm-hmm. Uh, chief theft officer. That is correct. Yeah. So. I like how bad we are at this question. This is good. I'm feeling good about that this. That we can't figure <laughs> out what it means to be passive aggressive. Yeah, I'm actually, I'm, I'm even just trying to think of an example from my life. Hey, I can't. Hey, people, just fucking say what you need to say to yeah. the people you need to say it to. Mm-hmm. Isn't that a song? I feel like that's a song. Say what it's you need the, to say. I think it's by the Beatles. That's that one. What's the <laughs> name? How you need to say it to. <laughs> All right. Next question comes from Bam182. I recently bought a house. Nice. Congratulations. Nice. That's impressive. And I didn't good. realize that the, oh God. <laughs> that the down payment and monthly mortgage payments were far from the end of it. Yeah. 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 Wait, which which, which part was he surprised by? <laughs> which home projects caught you the most off guard? Oh, which home projects, projects have you reaped the most benefits from? What do you regret doing? Well, it's also, it's just a stack of things. You don't realize, like, because you got to buy the house. So there's like, all the money's gone already. And then you have a mortgage, or I guess, sorry, down payment. So all your money's gone. And then mortgage. Property so, taxes. Yeah, all your money's gone in the future. And then property taxes, which people forget about. But there's there are a lot of money every year. Homeowner's insurance. Insurance. And then sometimes if you're in like a subdivision or got a condo or some shit, homeowner's HOA fees. Yep. Oh, HOA so, is my least favorite part of the whole puzzle. I mean, yeah, for sure. But so I think. Everything else sucks, but an HOA just, yeah, really makes And so me that's, just, that's just to actually have the house. That's actually the cost of the house. And then you realize, fuck, I've been living in an apartment. Now I have space mm-hmm. and it's all completely empty. Took my wife and I like- It s- is completely empty. I think six months to get a couch. Yeah. We didn't uh, have a dining yeah. room table for uh, yeah. a couple of years. So your first year, maybe two, maybe more, kind of depending on your budget and your willingness to go furniture shopping, which isn't- It's a, it's a sport. that awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, is just in filling that space because it would be weird to buy a house and then just have it be an empty cave. Mm-hmm. Which kind, for me, kind of nice, that's actually. partially part of the problem for me is because I actually prefer to have as little stuff as possible. And so to me, the whole idea of like buying an enormous space and then just filling it with stuff, like it rubs me so screaming. hard. <laughs> it makes me just scream on the inside. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah, you don't want to fill it. You don't want to fill it just for the sake of it, which is actually. No, but the thing is you um, do. That's what you do with a house. With a house, yeah. you're like, oh, this wall is blank. Let me put some art on there. You're like, oh, there's nothing in this corner. Let me put a lamp over there, right? Mm-hmm. And you literally. You could put a yeah, you, chair you li- over there. Yeah. Yeah, you literally just populate the space because if you don't, then it's not. it doesn't have the cozy you know, home feel, which is true. Like I get that. Like having the stuff in there. Is nice, but it just seemed to me like the whole idea of like, I bought this big vacuum and I'm going to just fill it up. I'm going to fill it because I'm a person. Yeah. It's just, I find it is what we do, but I find it. It is. It's crazy. And it's also very, it's just how it goes. Yeah. I would Um, say the, the project that, that we did that was most surprising was the pulp resurfacing of the back patio or back deck, painting it, whatever, with sealant. So, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. You guys messed that up pretty Talk about this. Like, probably how hard could this be? Yeah. Diana remembered from her childhood doing it. And so we were like, easy. If Diana is a baby, we're adults. And so <laughs> we get our stuff, go out there. And four hours later, are like sunburned and about to get divorced. And we were like, what happened? And Diana called her mom. <laughs> and her mom's like, oh, yeah, you just like rolled it 
like a minute and then, you know, went back in the house and played with your toys. Like me and your dad did it over three weekends. Right. So her her memory was that as a four year old or something, she resurfaced an entire patio. Exactly. Uh, which so, is of course crazy. Yeah. So then uh, <laughs> you know, having someone come fix that, that was a thing. We put a flagpole in the front, uh, like on our, you know, in front of the house. Or there was one there, but it was like really weirdly attached to the to the brick. And so a wind came and like ripped it the thing out of the brick. So we replaced it and then that one also got ripped out and then I glued it back in and then that also got ripped out. So now there's just like a hanging flap of a flag thing there. I don't know. There's a lot of things that have happened that just like I don't want to. Yeah, you can never solve problems in a house. You can only sort of relocate them or postpone them. It's just like every other uh, aspect of life, you know? It, yeah, it reminds me of what our, our dad says because he's uh, he works – he's a surgeon. He works in a hospital. He does a lot of uh, – uh, child deliveries, mm-hmm. births. Um, and he says that one of the things he always wants to say to parents when he delivers the baby, you know, and hands it is congratulations. Now you have to worry about this for the rest of your life. <laughs> <laughs> yep. uh, that's like what, that's what buying a house yeah. is, right? Yeah. Because, because when you, ha- when you own a thing, uh, that's yours now and you are problem. responsible for it. Mm-hmm. Like I, I mean, we, we were just looking out at the at the lawn, and it's been it's been a bit chilly, you know. Like it's been a bit cool, and also it's been kind of rainy because it's spring, and that means that there are like certain moments where it's it will be fine to to mow the mm-hmm. grass, mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of other times it'll just be really uncomfortable, be wet, you know, not feasible. So there's like a timing problem, and you know, I was looking out there, and I was like, I mean, we we could just not. Right, like, especially right we, now, I feel like no one would blame just, you. You know what I mean? Yeah, but also just like in terms of, uh, you mean like societally, keeping a keeping an ornamental grass in your front yard is maybe less of a less well, of a right. thing than like, it used to be. Like, of course, it's it's as as with like breaking any rules. Like, you can just go ahead and do whatever you want. Like, you can. I mean, not always, because usually there's like you know city rules and stuff that prevent yeah. you from doing. Yeah, you right. But but then there's that question of. Uh, I don't, I don't know if you guys had this, but there, every now and then there's kind of like an inkling of of sort of like a desire for chaos. Oh, yeah. And just be like, just out of curiosity, what would happen if I just let it just let it grow for like a month? And people would – of course, I assume I would get some kind of a letter in the mail. You get a passive-aggressive post-it now is what you, you get. get passive, in the, yeah. From somebody – from the homeowners association or something and they'd be like, hey – like you got to maintain your lawn at a level of blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. and uh, and I could respond and be like, "Oh yes, uh, totally understood. I will take care of it." And then I just still wouldn't, <laughs> and then <laughs> and just kind of see. I think you're describing those people that everybody hates. I'm just you know, well, like, here's the thing. Like, <laughs> like in a neighborhood, <laughs> there are the people who do exactly this. Like this isn't yes. a, this isn't a but, novel concept you're inventing. This is the this no, is the house not, that you not. walk by and you're like. Oh, this is why my property values are decreasing. You know, then yeah. or it's like, or it's but, like, oh, this is where this grass is so tall. This is where the badgers live and attack you when you walk <laughs> by. You know, yeah. So you want to walk your dog on the other side. So of course I don't do those things. Right. But uh, you know, there's always that. You're always curious. You know, like <laughs> as a as a human, you're always kind of peering over the void. Well, cause, yeah. You know? Every now that as a person, you're just like, I'm sick of this. Yep. You know? yeah. <laughs> I think for yeah, for me, when it comes to like having a house. Um, the the thing about it that is really a problem that's that's the the, the biggest blurs where all the benefits are 
easily outweighed by the costs is a yard. That is like mm. – that is the thing. And we – so my wife and I are, are into the more wild kind of look, you know, which doesn't mean – let your grass grow forever. It means don't get rid of all your grass badgers. so you can have other stuff grow there forever that people don't freak out about, you know, because mm-hmm. lawns are pointless anyway. And so if you just get rid of it, put other stuff there, then, you know, then you're fine. And so, so we still, we managed to make ours very low maintenance, but it's still one of those things where I just, I look outside and like, I just see stuff growing up, you know, in, in between the, the brick walkway. And I'm like, okay, I'm gonna good. Yeah. It's, it's work There's, that's just constantly creating itself because the work is literally alive and growing, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Lawns are, Absolutely pointless. That's Apparently, sense. in the early, like pr- before the fifties, the nineteen fifties, uh, people who had like houses, like as, as people started moving to the suburbs and whatever, um, people who had had lawns did not uh, do anything to them. Mm. It was it was just assumed that like it's grass and weeds and plants and flowers and shit like. Who cares? <laughs> uh, but it became a you know a sign of of class, like to, of, to be uh, able to spend money or time. It's like wearing a suit lawn. that you have to dry clean. Yep, you know, right. it's like it's like this um, thing that I'm wearing sucks. Like it is expensive. <laughs> it costs a lot, and it always will continue to cost a lot. And that's how I show everyone that I'm doing quite well for myself. Right? <laughs> yep. And so that's what that's what lawns became. You know, over time. Uh, and so unfortunately now we're just kind of stuck there because it'd be great if you could just let it, you know, just let it be a prairie. Well, I think let the, it be an ecosystem. Yeah, the general point is like, it's uh, kind of like, it's a, you know, with the, the start of the question, it's like, it seems like you're getting into a certain level of complexity that you signed up for. And then the reality oftentimes is considerably deeper than that as far as like a house is concerned. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I will, yeah. I will say that, I mean, it's been as much as I've had to complain about various things breaking in the house or the shower leaking or whatever else, uh, it has been nice after living in that, that uh, one bedroom apartment for like two years, three years or whatever. Yeah, you haven't had carbon space. monoxide poisoning in quite yeah, a while. Yeah, I also have been, I have been almost murdered by my landlord a couple of times for <laughs> his negligence. So there's that, you know. At least I'm going to kill only get murdered by myself. Own, yeah, exactly. Yeah, your own and there's negligence. something empowering about that. You know, if if this building collapses on me, it's my building that <laughs> yeah. collapsed. I will on say, me. On, the, on the whole, uh, I absolutely to like a million percent prefer having a house to being an apartment or a condo or any of those kinds of things. And after after doing that kind of stuff for for most of my adult life, um, when we were like my my rule just became, I will no longer share a wall with other human beings again. That's just that is just my rule, and I will no longer have an HOA again because I've dealt with all of those things enough. Yeah. I hated every second of it, and every single annoyance I've ever had owning a house has so far outweighed how much I hate those other two things. Mm. That it's well, you had a problem, as I recall. You had a problem when you were in a in a condo where the roof was. You were on the top floor. Yeah, the roof was leaking into your condo. Oh, yeah, but the roof was not my property. The roof is not yours, but the ceiling inside is yours. Yeah. And, and so, so they the were not HOA, liable for the damage that their leak caused to my ceiling, nor could I fix the leak because it wasn't it's not my your property. Leak. So, so it's leaking into your property, but it's not your leak. Mm-hmm. And so you're not allowed to do anything about it, and they refuse to do anything about it. And now you're on the hook to just continuously repair your own ceiling. Yeah. I had a lot of fun with an HOA. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, I, and I will say, and I mine wasn't even it. like, and I heard, 
There's mine compared stories, to the, yeah. to the, like the horror stories yeah, is nothing. Yeah. Like mine was really completely fine. Actually, it was just still even a completely fine HOA sucks. Mm-hmm. Just don't have yeah. one if you can avoid it. It's horrible. Yeah, I've I've been in a I was in a great uh, situation where I was in a in a condo in Iowa City uh, quite quite a while back, and the the uh, there was like a condo set up where there were there were houses that were duplexes, and then there was a, a building that had apartment style units inside, and they were both under the same HOA, and everybody paid the same dues, and every month it was just an endless battle because. The people in the in the big building didn't want to pay for the lawn service and landscaping of the people with the houses. The people in the houses didn't want to pay for the elevator repair for the people in the big mm. building. Everybody paid the same, and it was just a it was just a never ending stream of complaints <laughs> about these things. And at the end of the day, the difference that it was uh, for any given person was like a matter of individual single dollar amounts over the course of an entire year as far as like, like – Six bucks or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, the thing about yeah. an HOA is things that don't matter suddenly matter and things that do matter somehow don't. It's just <laughs> – Was that – was this the, the bike government. rack? Yeah, it's the bike rack or the bike yeah. shed problem. Have we talked about the bike rack problem? Yeah, I think we have. Oh, yeah, the, the problem where if you, if you get a group of people together to solve a problem, usually unless they all have deep expertise in it, they just uh, go fight forever about a boring ass side yep. problem instead. The focus gets on to whatever the small thing is that everybody can actually argue about and form an opinion about. As opposed to so the joke was basically that a nuclear reactor was supposed to be going up in a town and everybody was arguing about where to it's like a ten million dollar structure. Where's the bike yeah. rack go? And then, you know, having two meetings about where the fuck the bike rack goes when you're talking about putting a nuclear power plant in your hometown. It's like this is literally not important. Yeah, no meetings about waste disposal, about engineering, yeah. just yeah. about the placement of the bike. Yeah, I think I would say to answer the other part of the question, though, I think my favorite at this point, if I recall the question even, um, the things that I've enjoyed the most in terms of projects for the house are when we when we moved in, all of our bathroom fixtures, like the the sinks and the toilets and stuff, uh, were old and very stupid. So, like in our third. Mm. On one of our bathrooms, <laughs> so we have tiny bathrooms. We have two tiny bathrooms and then one like normal size bathroom. And so both the tiny bathrooms like are hard to get into because the door is like right next to the toilet and like the whole thing. But in one of them, they also had decided to have this fucking enormous sink that was like two feet deep. Like literally, it was just so deep, uh, so that like a bucket. Yeah, it was like, like a, a five it, was, it was bucket. Huge. It was just enormous. And so, so you, you like, open you the open door to this tiny bathroom. <laughs> And the sink is just coming in, like it's like going into the doorway by about like three quarters of a foot because of just where everything is placed. So you have to kind of like skirt around this enormous sink as you go in there, <laughs> uh, which was just so ludicrous. And then the one that was in their other tiny bathroom was in this like little tiny baby sink that like you couldn't even like wash your hands in because it was so little. Uh well, I mean, they used all the sink parts to make yeah, the other yeah. sink. <laughs> it was just they like, ran out of sink pieces. And then, and then one of the toilets just smelled weird. And it, like, it wasn't dirty. It just smelled. So I was, presumably there was like stuff growing somewhere inside of it. I don't know. It was very, it just smelled weird. And so, <laughs> so basically it was, it was like, that was my top priority when we moved in. I was like, I can't handle any of this. We have to, this is, that was where our first round of like dumping our money to the house went was we ripped out all of our bathroom fixtures and had them replaced and so i did, I did a lot of yeah. research on toilets you know and on like got these absolutely like faucets that i like you learn um, a lot about weird shit that oh man my toilets are awesome i will say they're fucking great <laughs> i love those things yeah that's that's for me the been the, the 
the thing I just I just didn't really probably appreciate or or think much about in advance is like if you buy a house, I think I think my house was made in the seventies or something, and so it's a it's a now a almost fifty year old building. There have been a lot of of people and families mm-hmm. that have come and gone through this yep. house, and uh, they all had different ideas. About what this house was supposed to be. Yeah, if you look, if you ever end up looking inside of a wall of it, like our house is built in 1896. Yeah. <laughs> and every time something has to happen inside of a wall, it is a fucking nightmare because they're like, well, there's been 43 generations yeah. of people, of people fucking with these stuff. walls. Oh, it was wild back there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so, so there, there's stuff in this house where, like, I know that it's there, but I don't want to do anything with yeah, it. Yeah, just stay away from you it. You know? Mm-hmm. But like when I moved in, they were like, now here's the irrigation system and here's the, the lawn irrigation control panel console. And I'm like, the fuck? <laughs> so you've got like a set of pipes and everything to just like water this grass? Uh, why? And yeah, so, why I lo- so I looked at it and like, it's, it's this elaborate control panel. There's no, they lost the manual. So mm-hmm. there's no way for me to know how to. And the thing was probably it. built in the 70s. So, you know, pre-internet, yeah, and- there is no manual. And also because of that, then like once it, there's like there's uh, there's rules and, and laws and regulations about lawn irrigation systems and and like they're uh, they're a, a prime source of of water flowing backwards yeah. through the through the city's system, right? And so once per year, we have to have somebody come and inspect this thing <laughs> to make sure that our yeah, to make sure that our back our backflow prevention device is uh-huh. functioning or whatever, um, and of course, like removing a lawn irrigation system, I assume is quite the undertaking. <laughs> yeah. So it's just kind of an annoying thing. That's just kind of I'm not I'm not going to burn through thousands of gallons of water just to slightly green up some grass, you know. Uh, so yeah, I don't wild. know. It's also that adding house is, a, is great. That was. We, adding outlets, yeah, adding outlets. We did it to our garage, and then also to a couple of places in our house, and, then, and added some added some more light fixtures in our bathroom and stuff. Because like, because electrician just comes in, punches a hole in the wall, and then just like runs some wires out. And then all of a sudden, another place to like, we have so many outlets. Like our prior, the prior owners also added outlets. Apparently, there are outlets like every. And it's, it's an old house. This is pretty weird, right? But like, literally, your house is pre electricity. Yeah, it is. <laughs> but still, every single wall, every wall has an outlet on it. Like every single one, at least one outlet. Many walls have two or three outlets. Like it is, it is covered in outlets. You could plug anything in. Oh anywhere. my god, it's amazing! Like we're, we're like when I'm vacuuming and stuff, I could just like, I know that I ran out of cable. Who gives a shit? I'll just plug it in right <laughs> wherever I'm standing. There's a plug right there. Yeah, so that is that was a great. That was another good home project. It was just making that it so you can plug good. stuff in. So yeah, it, buying a house is. Uh, you don't just buy the house. Nah. That's just a that's just the start of a whole you journey. Buy a lot of chores. Yeah, but it's not, it's not that those chores don't exist if you are renting a house. It's just that it's somebody, somebody else else's that's where job to do them, right? <laughs> but but just like with any job, uh, how well they're going to do it is going to be variable. So mm-hmm. while you technically don't have to do those jobs anymore, the other person may not also do those <laughs> jobs, right? <laughs> So and then you now can't it's do nobody's them. job. Yeah, now it's nobody's job, or you may end up just doing it yourself anyway because nobody else will do it. And now you're basically living in a house that you don't own. Mm-hmm. If you can't tell, I hate renting. I just hate it. <laughs> <laughs> I just hate it. And I haven't even had terrible experiences. I've just had medium. You experiences. Just hate the concept. Just the idea. I hate the concept and all my medium experiences. 
Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, I think that's all the time we have for this week. We'd like to thank our producers, <laughs> Fat <laughs> Adam hates renting. I hate okay. renting. We'd like to thank our producers, Fat Bard and Jen Coster, for putting the podcast together. And thanks to our community moderators who keep our Discord running. To get more involved in the Butterscotch community, go to podcast.bscotch.net, where we have links to everything. Including to Level Headward that you should just go pre-purchase. I mean, sure, it's coming yep. out in like a week, but you should go pre-purchase it anyway. Yeah, because yeah. once it comes out, you can't pre-purchase it anymore. No, so it's get, a you one-time deal. <laughs> Better get it while it's and get that hot. get that pre-download done too, because you know it, it'll take all of twenty to thirty seconds to download. Uh, so, uh, this bad boy is about two hundred megabytes. Yeah, it's gonna, it's gonna take you, you all. You don't want to wait for minute. that. It's gonna take you all, all minute. minute to download. <laughs> all right, thank you all for listening. We'll see you next week. Goodbye. Bye.